Amen. Thank you, Pedro and team. You can grab a seat. As you grab a seat, grab a copy of God's Word, or if you're using your Bible on an app, you can open that up. And I just want to lead us in time of prayer as we prepare hearts to hear and respond to God's Word. Father, we are no longer slaves to fear, and so we draw near. And we ask, God, would you, would, you, would you stir our hearts, our affections, would you open our eyes to see you clearly and to be eager and ready to respond? God, would you astonish us today, not by my preaching, but through your word? God, we're ready. Speak, move, lead us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, hey, uh, as we continue our journey through the gospel of Mark, one of the things that we're going to see is that Jesus was a very busy man. We, see, we saw this as we wrapped up last week. He is healing multiple people late into the evening. But as we think about busyness, busyness isn't necessarily a bad thing though it does bring with it certain challenges in life. In fact, my guess is most of you, let me, I'll just ask the question, how many can you, of you can relate to busy life? Okay, I see the hands. Look, even, and, and this is in the midst of COVID, which I know it's like removed a ton of things. We probably all still feel, and, and that's just Boston, right? Like life is busy. And one of the greatest challenges is that busyness can distract us from what's most important in life. Uh, the survey that we took back in December affirms this for us. We did a survey on, on Bible reading and prayer. And in that survey, we asked this question, how important would you say is daily Bible reading and prayer? And uh, overwhelmingly, for like daily Bible reading, 86% of the people said it is extremely or very important. And then related to prayer, prayer was even higher. 91% of everyone who took that survey, which was 91 people, 91% said it is extremely or very important, daily prayer. Yet at the end of that survey, I followed that survey up with some just statements at the end, asking, hey, what are maybe some potential barriers that you face as you pursue God in word and prayer? And one of the statements was this. It asked, I want to read the Bible, but I'm too busy. Do you know how many people checked that box? 35%. A third of our people and it, this, was, this was the highest of all those options. This was the highest related to reading the Bible and praying. It was, hey, I want to do it, but I'm too busy. What does that tell us? There's a disconnect. 91% of people are saying, it's important, extremely important. I ought to be doing it every day. But 35% are saying, man, I'm struggling because life is busy. What we're gonna see in Mark 1 today is that Jesus prioritized and focused on what was most important in life, even in the midst of a busy life. And so as we read through our text today, I want us to be asking two questions. The first one is this, what does this teach us about who Jesus is? 
And the second one connected with it is in light of who Jesus is, what are the implications on me as a follower of Jesus? All right, let's look at the text. We're gonna look at Mark 1, and we're gonna go all the way through from 35 down to verse 45 today. But I wanna start us in verse 32 to just take us back and remind us what had just happened. So Mark 1, verse 32 says this, that that evening at sundown, after the Sabbath, it says, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And then it says, in rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. And moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Here's the first thing that we see asking, hey, what does this teach us about Jesus? It's this, Jesus prioritized prayer. Do you see the context? He had a busy night. The whole city was gathered. He would have every excuse, man. I, I, I just had maybe one of the best days of ministry in my life. Man, I'm gonna sleep in. I can take it easy. I can lay back. I deserve this. And what does it say? And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. What does he do? He gets up before the sunrise. He finds a place where he can be alone. And he prays. Does this sound familiar? A million face-to-face -face focus minutes with God. This is what we're after. You may have like, why are we after that this year? Because this is what Jesus does. What does this teach us? I mean, as I read this, I'm like, okay, why? I'm also asking like, okay, I see the what. He's prioritizing prayer, but why? Why is he doing this? Here's the truth. The kingdom advances through prayer. The kingdom advances through prayer. Jesus knew 
that he could accomplish nothing apart from the empowerment and guidance that comes from spending time with the Father. I wanna give you two words as you think about why Jesus prioritized prayer. Power and purpose. Say that with me. Power and purpose. First, through prayer, we are strengthened for all that God has for us. Prayer fuels us to go do what God wants us to do. But also think purpose. It is through prayer that we are guided to all God wants us to do. This is purpose. Jesus would say over and over, I'm only gonna do what the Father tells me to do. As a result of his time with God, he came away empowered for ministry and with a clear sense of mission and direction from the Lord. And so, I mean, the argument is clear. If Jesus, the Son of God, had to get up early to spend time with God, and we're saying, man, I'm following Jesus. I'm not just listening to his commands. I'm looking at his life, and I want to go imitate that. I want more of Jesus. The argument is clear. This is, we ought to be prioritizing prayer also. Come on. I heard that. Tim Keller in his book on prayer, he's got a chapter on the necessity of prayer. And he says this, he, he says, prayer is the only entryway into genuine self-knowledge. It is also the main way we experience deep change. Did you hear that? We've been asking this word this year. How is God changing you? How is God changing others? Keller's saying, it is through prayer, the main way we experience deep change, he continues, the reordering of our loves. Like how do you wrestle with the idols in your life, the things you love? It is when you go spend time with God and you're not only getting to know him, you're getting to know yourself as God uses his word and he is piercing us, he is searching us, he's revealing the loves in our life. Keller continues, Prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be in life. We must learn to prayer to pray. We have to. To which I would echo, we must learn to pray. We have to. He continues and he says this, I can think of nothing great that is also easy. You're right. Do you think it was easy for Jesus to be up early. It was no easier for him than us. He was fully human just like you and I. He had to sleep just like you and I. So what's your next step? I'll just ask a few questions. When will you prioritize prayer? And I can't answer that for you, but I want you to take, a, take that away today. If Jesus prioritized prayer, when will you prioritize prayer? And the second question is how Will you learn to pray? Because you may be sitting here or listening online. You're like, I hear this, but what does that even look like? Like, how do I pray? Let me give you a few encouragements here. We've created some resources to help you with this. So if this is like very new to you, go to our app, open it up, and you'll see that we've created a devotional guide. If you'll go to the very bottom, there's a 2021 Bible reading plan. You click on that, and there are devotional guides that give you frameworks for how to pray. 
Go, go look at that and just follow it until those just become habits in you. Additionally, Pastor Steve is working to get us a, a monthly prayer guide. The one for February is already up. You can see that on the right there. Pick it up, and he's divided it out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Open up your app, go to Monday tomorrow, and just pray. That Those are guidelines for you just to help you and fuel your time in prayer. Let me give you three other encouragements. Spend time with people praying. One of the best ways I've learned how to pray is by watching others pray. And you can do that in our community groups. You can do that on fire nights this upcoming Friday night, 7 o'clock, online. Come in, just spend time with prayer. I was actually talking with Steve um, before uh, this year. I was like, hey, Steve, as we, how do we help people take next steps in prayer? Like, we know we could offer an equip group. And he says, man, just tell people to come and pray on fire nights. Like, spending time with people praying, that's where you learn how to pray. So fire nights isn't for all the super prayer warriors. Like, we want you there, but we also want the persons that's like, I don't know how to pray. We want you at fire nights. And then also there's pre-service prayer every Sunday morning. You can go to the events tab on the app and, and it'll take you to the link of where you can just join from nine to 10 on Sunday mornings. Spend time praying with people. The second thing that we see here is that Jesus knew his why and he lived with a clear sense of purpose and focus. So think about it. Jesus is up early he went to a, a desolate place. He's all alone. And what happens here? It says, uh, verse 36, Simon and those who were with him searched for him. They're seeking after Jesus. And you know what? Simon's words here come across almost like a rebuke. He says, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. Reflecting on a few different commentators, it might have sounded something like Jesus, like this. Jesus, hey, 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 what are you doing here? There's work to do. You're a smashing success. The crowds are lining up. They're waiting for you. We're building a following. This thing's really starting to gain some momentum. The crowd is getting restless. Come on, let's go, Jesus. We're waiting for you. you we don't have time to pray. And how does Jesus respond? Verse 38, and this response astonishes me. Let's go on to the next town. I linger here for a second. Everyone is looking for you. There were people that Jesus could have healed immediately. No. Let's go to the next town. How, how does that make you feel? That, that Jesus said no to people he could have immediately healed to go to the next town. But here's what I want you to look in here. I want you to see the reason. Verse 38, let us go to the next towns that, so that. When you see the word so that, it's given the reason here. It's given the purpose. Why are we going to go to the next town? Here's the why, so that I can preach there also. There are others that need to hear the news of the kingdom. But then we have this word for. For. This is like super purpose. Let's, let's go like the biggest picture of my life. And he says this. 
for that is why I came out. Now, I want to show you the parallel reading in Luke. Luke 4, 43 says this, but he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Here's what Jesus is doing. My purpose in life is not to heal every single opportunity in front of me. My purpose is to inaugurate, inaugurate, to proclaim, and to bring about the kingdom of God. Jesus was not driven by fame or popularity. He wasn't a people pleaser. He wasn't driven by the needs of the urgent. I wrestle with all of those, by the way. Anybody? I want people to like me. You know, it's tempting, hey, to have people, a, a following, a crowd, and, and every single one of us could probably pull up our to-do list and say, here are the urgent things that either are that somebody or something in my life wants of me. Rather, what does Jesus do? Jesus lived with focus on his God-given mission and purpose in life. Do you now see why? it was important that he was up early spending time with God? How do you think Jesus was able to respond to Simon with such clarity? He'd been with God. God had empowered him and guided him. He knew exactly what God wanted him to do. Check this out. My time with God fuels a focused life. When, I, when my approval from life is coming from God, I've spent time with God, I want him, I want to please God. When that's my approval, it frees me from seeking the approval from others. And that's what oftentimes drives our calendars and our agendas. It's what everybody else wants of me instead of what God wants of me. I'm more confident in saying no to the crowds because God has made what's most important clear to me that I need to say yes to. So what was Jesus' purpose? He says this, for that is why I came out, that I may preach there also. The kingdom advances through preaching. We see two emphases, two, two highlights of this. The first one is this, his, his primary purpose was to preach, to to call people to respond to the kingdom of God. This is like going back to Matthew 1, verse 14. Sorry, not Matthew, Mark 1, where he says, hey, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying the time's at hand, it's fulfilled. The kingdom of God's at hand, repent and believe. That was his primary purpose and focus. And this isn't to minimize physical healing. I'm not trying to minimize that. I mean, you see in Jesus' ministry, you see word and deed often go hand in hand. We see this here in verse 39. It says, and he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And what we're gonna see in Mark is Mark is gonna focus more probably on the healing and the casting out demons piece, but he's reminding us that's not the primary focus. The primary focus is the inauguration of the kingdom of God and calling people to respond to that. Think about this. Physical healing is temporary. I don't know how often we think of this, but the Bible doesn't tell us the outcome of most of these people's lives. But from a biblical, like a, a theological standpoint, my assumption is that most of these people went and died. Like 
from some other sickness or disease. Like we're not told how, but we're not, it's not like they were healed and they went on to never die again. Like they still faced living in a fallen world just like you and I, physical, and, and this isn't to minimize, God can come in and bring physical healing, but above all in that, a right relationship with God is gonna bring eternal ramifications. It is gonna bring eternal and lasting spiritual and physical healing. And so he's calling people to respond to the kingdom of God. And also you see a focus here that his ministry wasn't to just stay in one particular town. He said, there are other towns, there are other places that I must go. This gospel of the kingdom is to be proclaimed in other towns. Let me just ask you this. Do you know what your purpose is in life? I wish I could dig in here a little bit more, but here's what I'm gonna, I'm gonna just gonna give you some homework. I preached this very same text on October the 13th, 2019, where I really dug in and talked about how do you come up with a mission statement for your life? How do you, how do you wrestle with the roles that God has given you in life and determine God-given goals for each of those? Go re-listen to that sermon. Um, and, and I don't have time to unpack all that today, but I will say this. Without a strong and clear sense of mission and purpose in life, you will have a hard time setting priorities for your life, and you'll most likely be driven by the urgent over what's most important. You'll continue saying, I really think that it's important to pray, but busyness is something I wrestle with. And what I'm trying to help you wrestle with is how do we, how do we crush the disconnect? Because it's important, and yet we need to be living that out in our lives. So let me give you three encouragements, and I'll leave you with this. And as it relates to living a focused life, the first one is this. Just acknowledge that you can't do everything. Jesus didn't do everything, and neither can you. We can't do everything. The second encouragement is you must, you've got to prioritize what you must do over what you could do. Most of life, most of, of wrestling with, if you want to call it biblical productivity, is wrestling with the, the good versus the great. There's a lot of good options in life. What are the most important ones? What's the one thing that I've got to do that's going to please God with my life? The third encouragement, then reduce or eliminate everything that doesn't align with your purpose. Are you saying yes and no to the right things and the right people? Some of you are gonna leave this sermon today and you're gonna go wrestle this week with this. What are the things I need to say no to so that I can say yes to what's most important? And that's what we're wrestling with with a busy life. We're saying yes to other lesser things instead of the best thing. Jesus lived a purpose and focused life. The third thing that we're gonna see here is that we're gonna see Jesus' power and disposition to cleanse and to restore. We see, we're introduced to the story of Jesus cleansing a leper, and it picks up in verse 40, and it says, a leper came to him. Let me just pause here, because I want to make sure we understand what all's happening. One of the, the first thing that's shocking here is the audacious courage of the leper. 
Now, let me, let me teach you about leprosy here for a second. This is a term for various kinds of skin diseases that were highly contagious. It was one of the most dreaded diseases, and it was regarded as practically incurable. In fact, curing it, when you read some of the background material, would have been on par with raising the dead. Like, that's how severe this disease was. Um, I can relate a little bit here. I'm not a leper. Some of you guys that have spent time with me know that I was born with a skin disease. Um, it is called epidermolosis ichthyosis of Siemens. My grandmother had it. My mother has it. My twin sister has it. I have it, and my son Emmett has it. We were born with it. This is something that I've had to wrestle with my entire life. You hear skin disease, even some of you right now maybe like, are you contagious? Like, I've had, like, no, it's not contagious. Like, you can be around me, and that's why I'm not a leper. Like, I'm trying to help some of you guys out. But, like, I can resonate with some of the physical realities of living this kind of, um, with this kind of life. Like, Emmett and I have to constantly put lotion on our, on our skin. Some of you may not even think about that, but it is constant, or our skin gets really dried out. I remember going to school as a kid with bandages wrapped around my arms and around my legs because one of the symptoms of our skin disease is that our skin can, can scratch or peel off really easily, and it can form a blister, and that blister can get infected, and then that infection can spread. Some of you may remember Emmett. A couple years ago, he spent a couple days in the hospital over a simple cut that got a blister, that blister got infected, and that infection was spreading through his bloodstream, and he had to get IVs in him to, to help with that infection in his body. This is like, I love my son. This is part of us living in a fallen world. As far as I'm aware, there's no cure for our certain kind of skin disease. We've learned to manage it, to live in a way that, that minimizes it on our life. I can... I can wrestle with probably a little bit of what this leper felt with. I was always self-conscious of other people looking at my skin. How does my skin look? Now, I know in New England, we just cover up with all these clothes, but growing up in the South, like, man, your skin, like, people see your skin. My sister one time was called skin functified. When we go back and look at Leviticus here, we see that there was not only a physical brokenness, can you imagine the emotional and social ramifications of being a leper? I share my story, and I'm not in, like, it's not to invite, like, hey, I want to feel bad for John or whatever. It's to share that I can relate a little, a little bit with what he's going through here, maybe on a 1% of an 100% scale. When you go and read Leviticus, it says this, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. He shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Can you imagine what this leper would have gone through? I don't know how long this person had been a leper, if it was, and maybe they were born this way. A, a leper would have been an outcast by the culture. 
You see this, they had to live alone. They had to keep themselves. I would, you know, in the midst of COVID, some of us have had to quarantine at times. I would imagine it's like isolation due to COVID, but on a grander magnitude, right? Like, why are we isolating? You're trying to protect others from getting this. And so these laws in Leviticus were to protect this contagious disease from spreading, but the impact on this person was immense. Having this disease robbed you of everything, health, family, friends, you name it. It was like a death sentence on your life. In fact, they were even referred to as the living dead. Or Josephus says, they were no different than a corpse. This leper came to Jesus. Do you see the audacious courage? He, he, would have been, he should have been crying out, unclean, unclean. Jesus, you should stay away from me. But Jesus, but he comes to him. He breaks both the law and the custom at the chance of being healed by Jesus. My guess is he'd, be, he'd heard about Jesus. This man who'd been healing all these people, he's like, man, here's my one chance. There's no cure for this, but maybe Jesus can heal me. And he doesn't question, question Jesus' ability. He only questions his willingness. He says this, Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. And as audacious as the leper's approach of Jesus, more scandalous is what Jesus does. In fact, one scholar says this, the response of Jesus is no less scandalous than the leper's audacity. Look at the compassionate response of Jesus. It says this in verse 41. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. Jesus was moved by this man's plight. Listen to me. Jesus is not indifferent to the brokenness that you are experiencing right now. You may not be a leper. You may have something like me with this skin disease. It may be something else. It may be a physical, emotional, a social, social just brokenness. He's not indifferent. He cares. I want you to know today that when Jesus was moved with compassion for this leper, it's for us to hear that he moves with compassion toward us. And what does he do? He stretches out his hand. He says, I'm willing. And he touches him. Do you know how long it had been since this leper had felt the personal touch from someone? I have no idea. My guess is years. Jesus touches him. He draws near. Look, Jesus didn't look at the leper with disgust. Ooh, skin disease. Hey, man, I should protect myself. He drew near to those most rejected by others. And here's the irony. Instead of Jesus becoming unclean, the leper becomes clean. Do you see that? Here's the cool part. Jesus' purity is more powerful than the leper's uncleanness. 
Jesus wasn't the one at risk. Leprosy was. Come on. This is who Jesus is. This healing is equivalent to raising the dead. If you've got the living dead or this who's supposedly a corpse and there's no cure and Jesus touches him and says, be clean. And immediately, the text says here, immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Jesus truly is the son of God. And then Jesus gives him two orders. Look what he says here. Verse 43. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said, say nothing to anyone. And then second, go show yourself to the priest. Let me unpack these for a second. The reason he says, go show yourself to the priest was that he was following the protocols of the law in Leviticus 13 and 14. Obviously, we can't unpack all of that today. This week, you wanna dig deeper? Go read Leviticus 13 and 14. There is two chapters on the law and how to deal and respond to leprosy within, within Israel. But it was in this man's interest to go to the priest, because by going to the priest, the priest would have been the one who would have given official proof that he was now clean and he could be restored to the community. So he does that. Um, or Jesus tells him to do that. What we're not told in the text is whether the man did it or not. I don't know. But then he says this. He says, make sure that you say nothing to anyone. Why does he tell him to be quiet? Wouldn't you think here, hey, if something like this just happened, go tell the world. No, he says, be quiet. And I think it's for this reason. One, he didn't want the miracles to become a distraction. There were many people that came to Jesus because they just wanted to be healed, but they did not want to respond to him as the son of God. Jesus wanted people to seek him for him. But I think also the timing wasn't right. Jesus had more to do. Like if this were just pronounced, it's gonna, it's gonna draw reconciliation. Who is this guy? The Jewish leaders would begin to take notice. Everyone's gonna become confused on like what kind of Messiah is he? Jesus has more to do. It's, it's no coincidence that what, what does the man do? He actually, he doesn't follow Jesus' command. He goes and he shares. And there may be a hint here that's highlighting, like, Jesus is so great that news of him and who he is can't, can't be stopped. But, but he goes, he doesn't follow Jesus, and that he shares, and as a result, Jesus can now freely, he can't go out anymore. And what we have following here are five controversies. Because news of Jesus is going to begin to spread. And what happens when you cure a man, when you cure leprosy, it raises the question, who is, who is Jesus? Like the priest is gonna have to now reconcile. Like Jesus is different than the priest. Jesus cured this man and they're having to wrestle with who is he? So how does the story end? The story ends with Jesus and the leper changing spots. Do you see that? They've traded places and this is a picture of the gospel. This is the gospel. You may feel very unclean today. And this uncleanness may be that you just feel like there's all kind of filthiness in your life. You may feel unclean today because you are on the receiving end of the evil that somebody else did to you. 
I don't know why you may feel unclean today. You may be full of shame like me. I'm walking around and I'm worried about what other people think of me. And maybe it's not a skin disease, but it's some other pain, some other imperfection, some other element of brokenness in your life. I want you to hear this, guys. When you turn to Jesus, he takes your messiness, your dirtiness, your filthiness, he bears the weight of all of our sin. He faces, faces rejection and isolation. He takes our sickness, our shame, our sorrow, our curse, our defilement, and you know what he gives us? He cleanses us. He forgives us. He declares us righteous. He restores us, and he makes us whole. The point of this story is that Jesus doesn't become unclean. In actually, reality, he he sort of does. He, he takes our sin and he goes to the cross. But the whole point of the story is that his purity is greater than the uncleanness in this leper. I love what Sam Albury says. He says this, Jesus' cleanness is a far more powerful contagion than any dirt we can bring to him. There's always more that's right in Jesus than there is that's wrong in us. Can I get an Amen. There's more grace in him than offense in us. There's more forgiveness in him than sin in us. The very worst in us cannot compete with the best in Christ. We can't solely him, he can only purify us. However deep our mess goes, his holiness goes deeper, we will never exhaust it. Have you come to Jesus and said, Jesus, make me clean? I don't care how filthy you may feel right now. Jesus' cleanness is going to overpower your dirtiness. If you will come like this leper, you'll come kneeling, you'll come humbly, and you'll come with faith. You can make me clean. Jesus, will you cleanse me? Maybe today you're hearing this good news for the first time. I would just say, crowd to God simply like this. God, I am unclean. I, I should be removed from you. I, there's no way I should be near your presence in prayer. But I believe you can make me clean. Will you cleanse me today through the work of Jesus? He will make you clean. And you know what? Satan wants to Satan. He wants, he wants you to just continue to live in this filthiness. But this is how as followers of Christ, we look at this and we walk in faith knowing that Jesus has cleansed me. I'm not that leper anymore. I'm a child of the King. And we live in that. I invite you to respond to Jesus today. Let me tie us all together with the point. Having been cleansed, we now draw near to God in prayer to fuel a life of purpose and focus. Having been cleansed, I just like draw near to God. Like we don't have to stay away. There's an invitation to come near to Him that fuels and empowers us to live a life of, fo a life of focus to be used by God. Don't let busyness distract you from what's most important. In life, rather, like Jesus, let's live lives fueled and focused for all that God wants and has for us. Let's pray. Father, God, we thank you for this word. God, we thank you for the hope of the gospel. God, we thank you that you've traded places with us. 
God, help us not live in shame. God, help us come before you and and just fix our eyes on Jesus. God, cleanse us today. Maybe some of us need to hear the promise, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive your sin. And God, all of us have brokenness. God, I long for the day when the kingdom is consummated and I don't have to use lotion anymore. I long for the day where I don't have to worry about my skin getting cut and getting a blister and getting infected. God, I know the kingdom's coming. I know in the new heavens and earth, you're gonna redeem my body and my skin. That is a slight hope of the gospel that I have. And God, there's greater burdens, greater brokenness than that. God, we come to you today with hope. God, give us confidence in Christ. God, would you work, would you work in us, God, that we would draw near, that we would cultivate just lives that want to spend time with you. And God, we would come away with a focus to leverage our life for the sake of the gospel. God, we pray in Christ's name, amen.